Namachaya Shivahidas Thakur Jai Shri Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Dvaita Radhar Shri Vasadipur Bhakti Vindaki Shri Shri Radha Krishna Govokin Harshani Kundi Radha Kundi Vikobradhan Ki Vrindavan Dhamaki Jai Tur Dhamaki Jai Ravadri Mayapur Dhamaki Jai Jagadar Puri Dhamaki Jai Gangamaya Jumani Devi Ki Jai Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Tosamahani Ki Jai Samaveta Bhakti Vrindavan Ki Jai all glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada and Mahavishnu Padaya. Krishna Prasthaya Bhutalation Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Sarasvati Deve. Gauravani Pacharya Nirvasesasamani Paskachari Satani Vandayam Sri Guru Sri Yitabhad Kamadam Sri Guru. Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Gitam Sam Sajivam Sadhvaitam Sadhvajutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lavitam Sri Vishakam Gitam Sam Panchakalpachi Vishaki Pasindi Vitamti Chanam Pavan Yoga Vaishnavayam Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya in Houston, Texas, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 11, The Perfect Society for Social Classes, Text 21. Shamodamas Tatashocham Santoshaksham Tirajavam Jnanam Jaya Chitatmatvam It should be sat to be it's an A missing. Yeah, I don't know. 
ladies. doesn't have a book, someone who doesn't have a book or who's choosing not to look at the book, if you could tell me what some of these words mean, please. Okay, so tapam means austerity and such means cleanliness, right? I'm repeating for the internet people. Hmm? Gyanam is knowledge, yes? Sama means peacefulness, yes. Sochum cleanliness. Dhamma means control. Dhamma means control, yes. Santosha, satisfaction. Satyam, uh, cleanliness. We have cleanliness here, but that's Sochum. Satyam is truthfulness, yes. Shantir is, is a very interesting word. It's, it's perhaps one of the most interesting words, and we could easily give a week-long class on Shantir. In fact, I think Mahatma Prabhu just did that, uh, at least for a weekend. And it's, it's, a, it's a very deep and interesting Sanskrit term. It's obviously related to Shanti, or, or peacefulness, yes. And sometimes it's translated as peacefulness. However, here it's translated a little differently. Any other words here that we can pick up? Mercy. Mercy, Gaya. Yes. Any others? Hmm? We'll get to that in a minute. Brahma Lakshana. These are the qualities of Brahma. The bra- qualities of Brahmana. Yes. Cha. Okay. Cha. And nobody's translated the most important words in this. Achuta. Achuta is? Infallible. The Supreme Personality of Godhead who is infallible. What about Atmatvam? Self-realized, like the Atma, having the qualities of the Atma. So, Atmatvam here means to have yourself absorbed in Achita. Okay, with. Hmm? Jnanam is knowledge, yes. Okay. I'm going to go through uh, Prabhupada's word for word here. Shamaha, control of the mind. Dhammaha, Control the senses. Tapaha, austerity and penance. Shocham, cleanliness. Santoshaha, satisfaction. Shantihi, forgiveness. And then in parentheses, being unagitated by anger. Arjivam, simplicity. Jnanam, knowledge. Daya, mercy. Achyuta Atmatvam, accepting oneself as an eternal servant of the Lord. Satyam, 
truthfulness. Cha, also, Brahma Lakshanam, the symptoms of a So in these next few verses, the symptoms of each of the varnas are being given. And uh, we're, we're just reading this one verse today. But we, we do notice that there are certain qualities that go across all of the varnas. Anybody have any guess for you today's verse? Which qualities show up in all or most of the varnas? Everybody's expected to be what? Clean. Clean. So clean is there, and everyone's expected to be? Truthful. And everyone's expected to be? A devotee. Everyone's expected to be a devotee. We have uh, in the description of the Vaishya, for example, is the word Achyuta Bhakti. Deva Guru Achyuta Bhakti. So that's quite interesting. And of course, there's other lists of qualities of the Varnas given in other places. So I, I don't take these as the only or exhaustive list because there's also other descriptions. And we'd want, if we really want to look at a description of the Varnas, we would look elsewhere. So this one particular sentence here in Prabhupada's purport, which I find a little mysterious, and I'm hoping that all of you can help me with this sentence. It's a very short purport. We'll read the translation first. The symptoms of a Brahmana are control of the mind, control of the senses, austerity and penance, cleanliness, satisfaction, forgiveness, simplicity, knowledge, mercy, truthfulness, and complete surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Anybody think they could write that list from memory? We're pretty close to it. Purport. In the institution of Ranashram Dharma, the symptoms of a Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, Brahmachari, Vrahasta, Manaprasta, and Sannyasi are all described. So what would you say is the most important word in that sentence? In the institution of Varnashram Dharma, the symptoms of a Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, Brahmachari, Grahasta, Manaprastam, Sannyasi are all described. Symptoms. As people are known, we have this word Lakshanam. So one's known by their symptoms. The ultimate aim is Achyut Atmatvam, to always think of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, or Vishnu. To make advancement in Krishna consciousness, one has to become a Brahmana with the above-mentioned symptoms. Shamo dhamma stipat socham santosha chantra arjavam jnana daya chitatmatvam satchimcha brahmalakshanam The symptoms of a Brahmana are control of the mind, control of the senses, austerity and penance, cleanliness, satisfaction, forgiveness, simplicity, knowledge, mercy, truthfulness, and complete surrender the Supreme Personality of Godhead. What do you think is the sentence here that I'm asking for your help with in the purport? Without looking, please. There were three sentences in this purport. Should I read them again? Yes. In the institution of Varnashram Dharma, the symptoms of a Brahmanic, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, Brahmachari, Grahasta, Vanaprasta, and Sannyasi are all described. That's the first sentence. Second sentence. The ultimate aim is Achyut Atma 
to think always of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna or Vishnu. Third sentence. To make advancement in Krishna consciousness, one has to become a Brahmana with the above-mentioned symptoms. The last sentence, yes. <coughs> Let's read this again. To make advancement in Krishna consciousness, one has to become a Brahmana with the above-mentioned symptoms. I'd like to ask all of you, what do you think Prabhupada is saying here? I'm not asking right now. <coughs> Sorry, for your realizations about this. I'm asking just, what do you think Prabhupada is saying here? I mean, Srila Prabhupada is very much speaking in his books. We talk about really connecting with Srila Prabhupada through his Vani, and we understand his Vani primarily through his books. And when we have a conversation with somebody, the first thing we need to do is listen. Generally, in conversations, people don't do that. They're just meditating on what they're going to say next, rather than really listening. So, I'd like us to see if we can listen. What is, what is Srila Prabhupada saying here? To make advancement in Krishna consciousness, one has to become a brahmana with the above-mentioned symptoms. Is there anybody who'd like to try to reflect what, what Prabhupada's, and again, not our realizations on this, just what is true of Prabhupada's? So in saying here, what, I, what I'm hearing you saying is that Prabhupada says that spiritual qualities are necessary for advancement and spiritual qualities also define what is a Brahmana. Similar, very similar. So there's a great overlap or similarity between spiritual qualities and Brahminical qualities. Anybody else? What is Srila Prabhupada saying here? Yes. Okay, so Prabhupada's saying that these qualities are possible to be developed. Yes, that's what you mean? Through Krishna consciousness. So you're, you're hearing the Prabhupada saying that through Krishna consciousness it is possible to develop these qualities. If you could hold your realizations. I'm going to get here. Right now, just reflection. Just, just give me a minute. Yes. Brahma Bhuta Prasana Atmana Sotakuna Kanspati Sama Sarvesa Bhutisi Mabhati Mabhati Puram. If the development of Brahminical qualities, then we create a climate where spiritual qualities can develop. Okay, so what you're hearing the Prabhupada saying is that by developing Brahminical qualities, it creates a climate by which spiritual life develops, and you're comparing this to the verse from a Buddha Prasanatma. Yes. Okay. Yes? And the first verse is the 16th chapter. Okay. So that's, again, I would put that in the realization um, category. That, 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 that Prabhupada is implying that Brahminical qualities are divine qualities, and we could see that if we looked in the 16th chapter, 
that all the qualities mentioned here are also divine qualities. Okay? Any other? Yes? That is, that is the question, isn't it? But I think before we can look at that question as, well, what about the other orders? Does that mean spiritual life is not possible for the other orders? I think before we can look at that question, I really want to try to understand what Shri Prabhupada's saying here. Any other thoughts? I'm going to read this again. To make advancement in Krishna consciousness, one has to become a Brahmana with the above-mentioned symptoms. So what is Prabhupada saying here? Any other thoughts from anybody? Yeah. Well, the, the word advancement is a thing at a certain level of start. I have to have those qualities to start when you build on that point. It's ongoing practice. Okay, so you're picking up on the word advancement, that those qualities, you're, you're saying that Prabhupada's saying, by using the word advancement, that you have to start with those qualities. Okay, yes, Prabhupada. I was thinking that Prabhupada's trying to also say that the, uh, by examining ourselves in our life to see that how many qualities there are able to invite. Ah, okay. Okay, I would put that in a, in a realization category rather than just a reflective category. So if we could hold that for a minute, we'll see if anybody has any more just, just hearing. That's, that would be our next step. Anybody else just reflecting back what Prabhupada says here? Yes. Advancement may be possible in all classes, but one has to gradually develop all these qualities. So even if he's in another class, he can be a Brahmana later. Okay, so it's very possible that what Prabhupada's saying here is though is that although advancement is possible in other classes, that you, you have to come to this point at some at some point. Okay. Okay, I think we can start going to, to real, our realizations about this. Can you repeat what you said before, Shamsamaku? Yeah, I was just saying that Srila Prabhupada was that these are the qualities that we should meditate and start to see that how much we are imagining those qualities in our practical life to see that are Okay, so part of this is now our response. So now we're giving our response to what Prabhupada says. So we've listened to what Prabhupada said, now we're responding. So this is one response that then, as Shamsandapu said, that if this, if this, we accept that this is true, then our response is, well, I should be looking at myself to see how I'm developing these qualities. Okay, some other responses here to Srila Prabhupada. How else would we respond to this? I mean, you have one response, right, that you already said, that, well, oh, well suppose I'm not a Brahmana. Can I not make any? So that's another response. Yes, is that what you imply? Suppose by nature I'm a Shudra or a Vaishya or Satriya. Am I just finished? Do I have to wait for another life? Any more responses to this? The qualities uh, also should be like automatic habits or something you just almost unconsciously do, even though you're aware of it, it comes from automatic response and you try all your qualities. So what I hear you saying is we want to have these qualities come as automatic responses, not as something that we're, okay, okay, how do I become forgiving today? Yes? Okay, so what I hear you're saying is if, if, you're, if you're really authentically performing the process, then it naturally manifests, yes? yes. Okay, any other responses? Yes? I was going to say that because the, the essence of it is to become a devotee of Krishna, 
Okay, well that seems like it also relates to the previous sentence. So what I hear you saying is because these qualities are pleasing Krishna, because Prabhupada's pre- previous sentence is the ultimate aim is Ajitatpravam, to think always of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. Let me just finish repeating so other people hear otherwise. They're, they're losing it. And then I get an email, seriously, I get an email or a Facebook message. What did Kishabari Maharaj say? I couldn't hear it on that. Seriously, on the internet. So what I, what I heard you saying before is because these our aim is to please Krishna, and and it could be that Krishna is extracting these particular divine qualities and telling Arjuna these are particularly the qualities that please me. Is that was that what you were saying? Well, because even if a person say for instance is a chetra and he's heroic, if he's doing something to please for what Krishna wants him to do for the pleasure of Krishna, then that puts him on another category. Mm. So what I hear you're saying is even though Satya may be heroic, that because he's trying to please Krishna, because that's the essence of all these qualities, that he's not really Satya, he's kind of in another category. Or, 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 yeah, because we said before that Vanasham is applied to please Krishna. Yes, because we just read in the sentence before that this Vanasham is applied to please Krishna. So I, perhaps this is the mystery to answer your question. And it's, it's interesting that this forgiveness is also mentioned for the ksatriya. Although the ksatriya can't be forgiving all the time, there's a nice conversation between Prahlad Maharaj and, and Bali Maharaj in the Mahabharata about when to punish and when to forgive. And Prahlad Maharaj says, if you always forgive, people will take advantage of you. And if you always punish, people will hate you. He says you should forgive a, a very faithful servant, someone who's been a faithful servant, faithful person, loving person for a long time, even if they've done something very serious. You should forgive someone if it's their first offense. You should forgive somebody if they were forced to do something wrong against their will. Uh, you should not forgive somebody who's done a second offense, even if it's a small crime, or someone who denies their guilt, even though they're guilty. Also, Yes. He, he said, it's a whole list of things. Are very similar. Yeah, similar meaning more. Okay, so so Pedro Bari is saying Pilad Maharaj gives to his classmates a, a similar list that has more. Okay, so Prahlad Maharaj is saying that these qualities alone, of course we'd say but the other qualities are not going to invoke the mercy of the Lord without that faith in the Lord. So what, what we seem to be getting from this is even though you may be a Shudra, a Vaisha, or a Ksatriya, or some of us aren't even a Shudra, uh, that if, if you're trying to please the Lord, if your aim is to please the Lord, if you're engaged in atyut atmatvam, 
if you're absorbing your consciousness in the Lord, you will develop these good qualities of a Brahmana. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to change your occupation. It doesn't mean that you're going to change from being a painter uh, to being a, a Sanskrit scholar. But you will develop those qualities because those are also the qualities of the devotee. And those are also the qualities really of the soul. That, yes, that these are the qualities. And, and it's interesting though, we can think about Narada Muni had a very unusual disciple, a snake. And this snake, he became very peaceful and forgiving. And the result of that was the children were throwing rocks at him. And Narada said, well, don't bite anymore, but you can show your hood. So someone who's acting as a, in the capacity of a shudra or a vaisha or a ksatriya is going to need to, for the service of the Lord, behave in ways externally different from that of a brahmana. You know, the brahmana here is supposed to be santosh, very satisfied with anything. But I'll tell you, if a vaisha is satisfied with anything, they're going to be a terrible vaisha. They'll go out of business immediately. Oh, whatever donation you want to give me for this blender, that's fine. You know, whatever you want to give me for the washing machine, just give a donation, whatever you'd like. You want to take it for free, that's fine. I'm satisfied. And there'll be no more business. Right? And even if the Ksatriya is like that, the Ksatriya says, you know, oh, however the kingdom's being run, that's okay. Whether people have water or not. I mean, the Brahmana can say, oh, I didn't get any food today, that's okay. I'll be satisfied. But if the Ksatri says, oh, my citizens didn't get any food today, that's okay, I'll be satisfied, and then everything is going to be chaotic. So, although those in the other orders may have these qualities, should have these qualities internally, if they become achudatmatvam, uh, the way to please the Lord will differ according to one's particular service. So let's look at this achudatmatvam which is really the essence of this verse. The whole purpose of developing good qualities is to please the Lord. So all of us want to be a good person. I mean, frankly, even criminals want to be good according to their definition of good. In other words, everyone wants to have self-esteem. Everyone wants to look at themselves and say, yes, I am good. I like myself. This desire to like ourselves is ultimately spiritual. The Shastra uses words like atma-rati. Rati is, a, is love. <laughs> rati, is, rati is quite an intense Sanskrit word for, for love. There's a demigoddess, Rati. Who is she married to? Hmm? Tamadev, yes. So Rati is very, very intense love. Atma-rati is said several times in the Bhagavad Gita. To love oneself, atma santush, to be satisfied with oneself. Prabhupada translates in the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, to relish and rejoice in the self. So all of us have a natural spiritual desire to like ourselves because we as spiritual beings are very likable. We are all God beings. Yes, we're all little parts of God. But when someone tries to develop good qualities separately from achuta atma twam, it doesn't work very well. Because our wonderfulness is because we're in relationship to Krishna. 
And as soon as we separate ourselves from Krishna, our wonderfulness is no longer exhibited. And just like this spark out of the fire. So if you see fire, everyone likes to look at fire. It's very attractive. The fire dancing. And when you see the fire dancing, the sparks in the fire are also attractive. Or just like we like fireworks, to see all the little sparks of fire making different designs. It's very attractive. But if there's just some spark that falls on the floor, instead of being attractive, it's a disturbance. If the spark comes out of the fireplace, or if some little piece of the fireworks comes out of the display, then it becomes dangerous. So as soon as we think that we are separate from Krishna, we are no longer able to access our good qualities. And then we struggle and struggle and struggle to have good self-esteem on the material level. And we, don't, we can't really achieve it because we, we don't exhibit our actual qualities separate from Krishna. We don't. In fact, as soon as we... We're not really separate from Krishna, but as soon as we imagine we're separate from Krishna then all of our good qualities become twisted, exactly like the good quality of fire becomes twisted in the wrong place. We all appreciate fire. We have fire in our body, our body temperature. We have fire that we use for cooking. In the winter, we heat our homes with fire. We're all heating our water to take our bath with fire. So we all enjoy fire, but as soon as it's in the wrong place, then the it becomes full of bad qualities instead of full of good qualities. It becomes fearful. It causes havoc. It causes destruction. It causes pain. So the moment that we are separated from this achyutatmatvam, then our so-called good qualities become bad qualities, and they cause pain to ourselves and to everybody else. And having good self-esteem in a, in a situation where we imagine ourselves to be separate from Krishna, my dear friends, is impossible. You cannot like yourself or be satisfied with yourself or to speak of love yourself when, you're, when we're separated from Krishna because we no longer act in a loving way. Our love turns into lust. Our intense desire to please Krishna turns into greed for our personal selves. Our, our loving anger, you know, like Mother Yasoda tying up baby Krishna, or Radharani saying, you can't come and see me anymore, or the cowherd boy saying, if you go home with Mother Yasoda, we won't let you play with us anymore. That kind of loving anger becomes transformed into a lack of forgiveness and, and attachment. So all of our wonderful qualities get twisted. Therefore, trying to get wonderful qualities separate from Anchudatmatvam is impossible. It will not happen. You can apparently get them to some extent the closer one gets to material sattva So there's degrees if you're because there's degrees of being connected with Krishna and degrees of being separate from Krishna. It's not an all-or-nothing sort of situation. So if you're in Sadhguru, you have some connection. Even if you're in Rajaguru, you're following the Vedas, you have some connection. So the good qualities may manifest to some extent, under some conditions. That's why we're called conditioned souls. Just like forgiveness. Who here has ever forgiven anyone in their life? Who here has ever forgiven anybody? Who here has absolutely forgiven everybody in their life? Whoa, that is an achyutatmatvam. But that's very difficult. 
Or can any of us say, we are truthful always? Anybody want to say, I am always truthful? Whoa. That is very difficult. Unless one's achyutatmadvam, to be always forgiving, to be always truthful, to be always merciful, to be always satisfied, to be always clean, is extremely difficult. Why? Because as soon as we're separate from Krishna, as soon as we lose this achyut atmatvam, this absorption in Krishna, we are filled with fear. We are filled with attachment, fear, and anger, lust, anger, and greed. Why? It's very logical. Om purnam ada purnam idam purnat purnat rudachute purnasyam purnam adaya purnam eva vasishute. Infinity minus infinity is infinity. So when you're attached to Krishna, when you're absorbed with Krishna, Krishna's infinite shakti is flowing through you all the time. Like David said, my cup runneth over. It's like being connected to an infinite spring of water. It doesn't matter how much you take, there's always infinitely more. And one who feels that connection, that fullness, it's interesting, Prabhupada says, accepting oneself as an eternal servant, and he also says to think always. It's the two ways he, he uh, defines atyutatma tvam. But tvam is the nature of atma tvam. Your, your very self is full of the nature of God. You're connected with God. Your consciousness, we are, you are in what Prabhupada calls Krishna consciousness. Your consciousness is absorbed in Krishna, and if your consciousness is absorbed in Krishna, you must be in the mood of a servant if it's going to be uh, favorable Krishna consciousness. Anukulena Krishna consciousness. We're not talking about Kamsa's Krishna consciousness or Nirayankashipu's Krishna consciousness, although we could, but let's not go there. So if we're filled favorably with Krishna consciousness, then we're full. And if we're full, constantly full, then we have no need and no impulse to be unforgiving or untruthful or dissatisfied. We already have everything. We already have everything. And just, it was quite interesting that uh, I, I'm trying to practice these qualities to please Krishna, although I fall short constantly. But one devotee sent me a message the other day, sent me some wonderful quotes and, and references about something I needed for my service. I was very, very happy. After this devotee sent me all these references, he started talking about ISKCON politics. And especially, what is the position of women in ISKCON? A topic which has fascinated me for obvious reasons for quite some time, uh, but I'm kind of getting a little tired of it. And, and I just wrote back to him, you know, I'm, I'm happy to get all these wonderful books and references and quotes you gave me to help in the research I was doing, but I'd really rather not talk about the position of women in the Hare Krishna and, and then he wrote back, your refusal to discuss this shows that you are defeated. So there was, there was, an, initial, uh, there was an initial inner something from the ahankara. But then I thought, who cares? I said, yes, I've been defeated. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about Rupan Sanatango Swami. And, and, when, and I was thinking, you know, if, if, 
because he'd also written all this wonderful stuff about Krishna and Balaram, I was thinking when, when one is thinking about Krishna and Balaram, then one doesn't feel a need to be victorious in the world. It just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. You know, and it's only when one is separated, one feels one's separated, then you feel you have no shelter. You follow? When you feel you're connected, then you have a shelter. You have a shelter. You don't have to defend yourself, and you don't have to prove that you're a wonderful person, and you don't have to get everybody to say, Jai, Jai, who cares? You're in the Krishna shelter. It's, it's kind of like you're, you're in this bomb-proof place, you know, and it just doesn't matter what's going on around you. It's irrelevant. Let anybody throw anything, say anything, do anything, accuse you of anything. Who cares? But as soon as you're out of that shelter, then you feel so vulnerable and you feel so helpless and you start having to defend yourself. And then it's very hard to be shanti or forgiving, as Prabhupada says here, unagitated by anger. Anger comes from fear. Or mercy, it's very hard to be merciful when one's connected with Krishna. And one has this unlimited flow of mercy from Krishna. Well, you can just keep giving it and giving it. I mean, Bill Gates doesn't worry about how much money he's giving away in charity. He just doesn't worry about it. He doesn't think, oh, if I give, you know, a billion dollars, then I won't be able to eat tomorrow. Because he knows that practically, at almost as much money as he gives away, he still has more than he can spend in his lifetime. You follow? So when one's an atmatvam, then one has more mercy than one can possibly use in a million lifetimes. And therefore, to be merciful and kind to others, there's no loss. There's no fear for some of these other ones. Cleanliness. So lack of cleanliness, I think, comes from laziness. Huh? I think so. Come some laziness. Isn't that illicit sex? So illicit sex is very unclean. I mean, sex in general is very unclean. Proper sex within marriage to produce nice children is yagya. That is yagya. Prabhupada says that's like offering food and eating as prasadam. Hmm? Yes. And Krishna says that I am the I am Kandarpa, I am the god of, of love in terms of procreation. So then Krishna is there. But yes, this uncleanliness, modern society is very attached to this illicit sex. It's a very unclean society. I mean, even if in the Western countries we have garbage trucks that pick up the trash every day, uh, still just think of all the diseases people are getting from uncleanliness. And, and the kind of cleanliness that people do is, is vacuuming their rug. You know. Whenever I had to stay in a place with a rug, I always bought a rug shampooer. And, you know, the water turns black the first month because people vacuuming, they're not vacuuming. So this is, a, it, it really, laziness and attachment to immediate sense gratification seems to cause uncleanliness. But when you're fully satisfied with Krishna, again, aren't you definitely when you're fully satisfied with Krishna, you want to have everything clean for Krishna. Krishna is the supreme pure. And you want to please Krishna. You don't, you don't feel, oh, I have to clean my house. 
I have to clean my clothes. It's not clean enough, so you feel dissatisfied. But I mean, you're, you're feeling very satisfied in that relationship with Krishna. Therefore, you don't become lazy in your cleanliness. And austerity and penance, so this is uh, a favorite. I really like how Krishna says, Tapasa ridayam sakshat, atmaham tapasa. He says this to Lord Brahma, and it's also said to Daksha. Tapasya is my very heart. Tapasa ridayam sakshat. Tapasya sakshat, directly my heart. Atmaham tapasa. Myself is tapasya. So this is quite interesting. And then, of course, 315. Sarvagatam Brahma nitya yagya pratistitam. So Brahma is that God is everywhere. Where will you find him? Hiranyakashipu is like, where will I find God? Ah, you'll find him in tapasya. You'll find him in sacrifice. You'll find him in austerity. Now this is very counterintuitive because Anandamaya Vyasat, God is all joyful. And we are all joyful. He's unlimited joy. And tapa literally means suffering. You can use the word tapa to literally mean suffering. Voluntary or involuntary suffering. But in this context, it means voluntary. And again, when you're filled with Krishna, when you're atyutatmatvam, you are inclined naturally to do things that from a material perspective appear to be voluntary suffering. But the devotee doesn't experience them as suffering. Because when you do voluntary suffering out of love, it turns into pleasure. Bhagavad Gita 4.24 The sacrifice, the performer, the offering, all become pleasure. They, oh, we have a little experience of this. We have a little experience of this. So that cooking for Krishna can be as much or more fun as eating prasada. Yes, everyone has experienced this? Working behind the scenes at a festival and working really, 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 really hard can be as much or more fun than just attending the festival as a guest. Yes, we all experience Yes, but sometimes serve, you, you can cook and serve and then you don't, you don't even have any hunger. You feel so satisfied with serving. Spending your money on a gift for someone you love can be much more satisfying than spending your money on something for yourself. Spending your time helping other people can be more satisfied than spending your time doing just whatever you want to do for relaxation. Everybody's experiences. Your mother taught you. Your mother taught you that. That's good. So if you just try to do sacrifice without being connected with Krishna, then it's miserable. Oh, why do I have to work so hard just for some fruit that I may not even get? But if you're connected with Krishna, then you don't even notice that you do. You don't even see the sacrifice. You don't even, you don't even see it like that. You know, in the early days of Iskand, when we were living 12 to a room, sleeping on the floor, all of our possessions fit into one little box. <laughs> we didn't even have real saris and dhotis. All we had was some cotton poly cloth from the fabric store, you know, and all, all the unmarried people wore saffron, and it was real heavy cloth. Fuller's earth instead of tea. Like, I mean, the saffron saris, they were so heavy, 
that to keep them on our head. We, you couldn't pin them to your hair, it would have pulled out all your hair. We had to put a safety pin over here, and then it would move out gradually. <laughs> you know, and people would see us, especially our family members. You know, and, and I, I was I was born in a very wealthy, famous family, right, from Midtown Manhattan in New York, you know. And, and when my family members came to see how I was living in the temple, they were just disgusted, yes. I met my father's first visit to the temple. He walks in the, in the front door. The first room was where we took prasadam. We didn't have plates then, metal, plastic. We, we had pieces of wax paper like you put a donut into, you know. And, and we just sat on the floor with these little pieces of wax paper. And he came right after prasadam, so there were still big pots on the floor. And then there was these turmeric and ghee stains. Even though we were poor, we only used ghee but that's another thing. So anyway, there were these turmeric and ghee stains on the floor, and there were some wax plates still with prasadam on it that nobody had eaten. And he walks into this scene. You know, it was quite interesting. Or, or I, when I was living in a closet in the Boston Temple for 10 months, you know. How can you, at least it was my own Well, I had a baby, so that's why I had no. So, you know, how can you be living in a, how can you be living in a closet? And, and frankly, to us, it didn't seem austere at all. It just didn't seem austere at all. We didn't even notice it, frankly. We didn't even notice it. You know, oh, why are you living so austerely? Why are you living in a closet, sleeping on a floor? You know, I mean, I never told my parents that I shopped at secondhand stores, or they would have, they never would have spoken to me. But for the devotee, it's just, this austerity, it doesn't feel like austerity in I mean, you know, just I know Gita Nagari, the locals would come and they say, "How can you be vegetarian? Do any of us feel like it's an austerity being vegetarian?" It's not like, "Oh my God, such austerity!" <laughs> it's not an austerity at all. So when you're filled with Krishna, you don't even you're doing all these things that, from the material perspective, are very austere. But you don't experience them as austerity. You're experiencing them as joy. Therefore, Bhaktivinoda says that the trouble I take in your service is my happiness. And control of the senses. So control of the senses does not mean that you're sitting on all of your senses while they're screaming. It's not what it means. It's just like if you have a young child. The senses are compared, the senses in the mind are compared in the fifth canto to a wild animal. This is the reason given by Lord why why, why Lord Rishabdev did not did not exhibit sorry his mystic powers. The explanation given is that when you catch a wild animal, you don't trust it anymore. So uh, we we ended up at the Gurukul raising a, an abandoned baby opossum, and because it was a wild animal, no matter how much care we took of it, it was always aggressive. As soon as it was older, we let it out in the woods where it belonged. So the mind and senses, Karshiti was struggling with this mind and senses. So control does not mean, control of the mind, Samadhamma, does not mean simply that you're sitting on them while they're screaming and that you're beating them. That's not how you control a wild animal or a young child. The senses and mind are very much like a young child, like a one, two-year-old child. So any of you have had children, so you know like a one, two-year-old child, they just run anywhere. A good friend of mine, uh, some of you may know Kamra, so she raised twin boys, 
and you know, she'd have to have them in, in one in her backpack and one in her husband's backpack or one in a backpack and one in her arms when they were one years old because as soon as she put them down, then one would go that way and one would go that way. Think about Mother Yasoda chasing baby Krishna, but you're chasing them in two different directions. You can't catch them. But it doesn't mean that you put your children in a cage and lock them up and starve them and beat them. That's not the way that you control children, huh? Or animals. So that's also not the way that we should be controlling our senses and our mind. Because ultimately, these are all Krishna's energies. And the only reason that they're wild and crazy is again that we've separated ourselves from Krishna. That's all. The only reason fire is destroying everything is you've taken it out of the proper place. You've taken it out of the fireplace. You've taken it out of the stove. You've taken it out of the fireworks display. Our mind and senses, when connected with Krishna, feel completely satisfied. Whenever we try to serve our mind and senses separate from Krishna, they are never satisfied, are they? Do our senses ever say, I mean, just think of all the serving we've done for our body and mind. Oh my God. How much time do we spend every day just serving this body and mind? Unbelievable. And does the body and mind ever say, thank you very much, now you can get a pension and retire? <laughs> Never says. But when we're connected with Atyutatmatam, when we're full with Krishna, then we feel completely filled up. We feel completely satisfied. Everything feels completely satisfied. And in that way, the senses and the mind are controlled. Uh, what others have we not looked at here? Uh, truthfulness. So again, uh, one will not be truthful if one's separate from Krishna. One will be full of fear. and One will sometimes tell lies for self-preservation. I mean, telling a lie for the sake of service you know, if you're in a communist country and you say, no, no, we're not preaching here, that's another thing. You know, going into a Muslim country or a communist country. Are you coming here as a preacher? Oh, no, 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 I'm just coming to visit my friends. That's okay. Uh, but to lie for our own ego, to lie for our own self-preservation, uh, that is coming from fear. That if I tell the truth, then I won't get food, I won't get money, I won't get love, I won't get security, I won't get something. So, but when one is when one is filled with Krishna, then one has no fear. If I do what's truthful, then one has, you're saying that, real integrity. One is integrated with Krishna. And his simplicity, Ardhidavam, to be, to be simple, not to want to complicate life. And why are people trying to complicate life in the modern world? Again, because they're not feeling connected with Krishna, who has everything. And then they I want need more of this and better of this and more of this and better of this and bigger and higher and bigger and higher and more and better and different and more and better and different and more and bigger and better and higher and more and better and different. But you know, Krishna is the biggest. He's already the biggest, and he's already the best, and he's already expanding. So if you really want more and bigger and better and more and bigger and better and different. If you're connected with Krishna, he's full of more and bigger and better and different all the time. And because you're getting that more and bigger and better and different from Krishna, you can just live with whatever you need to survive from day to day. You know, it's very interesting. I've been uh, traveling with just one small bag for a few years now. And there's a culture of people who, who do this, not only devotees. 
And they say that the only way to do this is to get rid of all your what-ifs. To get rid of all the stuff for the what-ifs. What if that? What if that? You know, you look in your bag periodically. Have I used this in the last two years? Get rid of it. Not having extra, not having backup. Now, how can you do that? How can you do that? You know? Again, Krishna is there. Yoga Kshema Vahamya. Krishna is supplying everything we need. And Mari Krishna Rakyake, right, Mara. Rakya Krishna Mari K, Mari Krishna Rakya If Krishna wants to give me what I need, nobody can take it away from me. And if Krishna wants to take away from me what I need, then nobody can protect it. And my desire to have the bigger, better, more is in Krishna. More Leela, more holy names, more qualities, more service, more devotees, different qualities and different pastimes and bigger and better and more and all going on and on and on and on and on to eternity. And then on this level, it doesn't matter if you've only got a couple sets of clothes. You don't need to have a closet with 500 shoes and, you know, or a different gizmo for every function. And then this Santosh. So I've chosen to spoke about, and I don't know if I'll speak about all this. I'll, I'll do that last. Okay, let's look at Adhyana, knowledge. So it's interesting that Bhaktivinoda Chakur says that too much gathering of knowledge is also achithara over collecting. You know, the people who are trying to become the masters of the world by collecting more and more and more and more knowledge, the result of which is that they know more and more and more and more and more about less and less and less and less and less and less and less. That's what happens when you become a PhD. So I know a tremendous amount. I'm a world expert in a very tiny subject. I am the world expert in the job satisfaction of the teachers in all of the Hare Krishna schools in October to December of 2005. That's my expertise. So this desire to get, you know, more and more knowledge, know more and more of this, to know more and more of that. You know, when you're separate from Krishna, it's never, it's never satisfying. And if you read Kuhn's uh, Structure of Scientific Revolutions, and he talks about, really, all you're doing is seeing different parts of the picture. You know, just like I have a pattern here on this sari. And if you were just focusing on this, you'd see a paisley. If you were just focusing on this, you'd see a triangle. And what the scientists are doing, they're not expanding their knowledge. That's what they like to claim, but they're not. What they're really doing is changing their paradigm all the time. So they're seeing different parts of reality, and they never see the whole picture. And so one will never be satisfied. One's always in ignorance, separate from Krishna. If you're in the mode of ignorance, you have it backwards. You think capital punishment is bad and abortion is good. You know, you just can't figure anything out. If you're in the mode of passion, you sometimes get it right, sometimes don't get it right. Sometimes you think this will be the best thing for me and it's terrible. Or you think, oh, I don't want to do this and it's, all, it's wonderful. You know, if you really want to have clear knowledge, you're connected with the source, Jnana, Deepain, and Vashvata. You ask Krishna to turn on the light. Separate from Krishna, you're kind of groping around in the dark. You're the six blind men with the elephant. And once you're connected with Krishna, Prabhupada says nectar devotion is like the one switch that lights up everything. Then one has real knowledge. And the last thing uh, that I'm going to talk about here is santosha, to be satisfied not just simplicity, uh, but satisfaction. 
So to be satisfied, not to be complaining. It's so easy always to be complaining. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this person treat me like that? Why did this person treat me like that? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Oh, this thing, oh, that thing, oh, that thing, oh, that thing. Mind always dissatisfied. And I was thinking this morning how, you know, I'm always thinking if only I could make a perfect arrangement in this world, then I could be a devotee. I'm always thinking like that. If only I could get, you know, the right situation for this and the right situation for that, right? Then I could be Krishna conscious. Just like the materialists, they're always thinking, if only I had the right this, the right that, the right that, then I'd be the sense enjoyer. <laughs> uh, but then there's no satisfaction. The satisfaction is, whatever the Lord has given me, I accept as His mercy. That I accept Subhadam Sarvabhutanam, that He's my best friend. And I see this satisfaction comes from this Achut Atmatvam in, in a mood of love. That Krishna is my best friend, and whatever he's given me is perfect for me. Who here has the absolute perfect situation materially? Anybody here have a materially perfect situation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone was asking me the other day, we were talking about personality types. She said, what if my personality has some aspects that are unfavorable for Krishna consciousness? I said, join the world. <laughs> you know? I, you're welcome to the club. You know, all of us have some aspects of our hankara, our upadis, that's not favorable for Krishna consciousness. All of us have some parts of some aspects of our body, the way our body functions, that's not favorable for Krishna consciousness. All of us have something particularly in our lives. One devotee was telling me, I retired, and I thought now I would chant 64 rounds a day and just hear and chant, but my wife has a, a serious illness, and my mother is sick, and this and that, and I'm spending all of my time taking care of other people's health problems. So, you know, sometimes we have circumstances in our life, but sometimes. When one's separate from Krishna, one is always complaining. Oh, my body. Oh, my body. Oh, my body. Oh, my mind. Oh, my mind. Oh, my mind. Oh, my wife. Oh, my husband. Oh, my kids. Oh, my mother. Oh, my mother-in-law. Oh, the government. Oh, the barking dog next door. Oh, the mosquitoes. Oh, the climate. Constantly. Yes? Oh, I have so many problems. Oh, oh. I really like what Prabhupada says in the uh, 20th chapter of Krishna book. He says that the materialist sees everything as aggressive, but to the devotee, everything is happily situated. So, uh, and Prabhupada says in the sixth canto that Krishna turns all of our impediments into spiritual service. So instead of complaining, uh, one becomes satisfied. Whatever Krishna gives, uh, that's good. Let me find a way. I can use this to become more tolerant. I can use this to become more merciful. I can use this to become more forgiving. I can use this to become more attached to Krishna. How can I use the situation Krishna's put me in to show my love for him? So there's a circle going on here. That if I'm attached to Krishna and absorbed in Krishna, I naturally develop all the good qualities. It's part of my integrity. And if I'm attached to Krishna, I also endeavor to develop the good qualities to please him. 
Not for material self-esteem so I can look in the mirror and say, I am a satisfied, forgiving, simple person. Or not even for gyan. Oh, now I've become full of good qualities and I'm liberated. But so Krishna will be pleased. So if I start by trying to please Krishna, I will naturally develop these good qualities from that connection with him. And I will naturally want to develop these good qualities to please him. Just like if you have some loving or friendly relationship with another human being, you want to develop qualities that will please that person you love. Isn't that a fact? No? If you were if you were brought up never cleaning and you marry someone who says, I want a clean place, you'll try to become clean just to please them. So this is the essence for all of the varnas, for all of the ashrams, for everybody, is this achutatmatvam being connected with Krishna, which naturally develops all these good qualities, which, as Keshavari Maharaj has so kindly pointed out, are really just the divine qualities of the soul. And because the Brahmana is supposed to be situated in sattva guna, we have the sattva, which means both good and truth, the qualities of a Brahmana are very similar to the qualities of a devotee. There's a lot in common. Uh, this does not mean that people in other orders are condemned, but it means that people in other orders, people in other circumstances, all people, we have to do our service that will please Krishna. But internally, one has these qualities. So this we should be, as, as you were saying, we should be examining. Prabhupada said you don't need a certificate from others as to how much you're making advancement. But you can examine. Is my, are my mind and senses controlled? Do I happily perform austerity without even noticing it as austerity? Am I clean? Am I satisfied? Am I forgiving? Am I unagitated by anger? Am I simple? Do I have discrimination? Do I know what's right and what's wrong? Am I kind to others? Am I truthful? And am I, most important, am I trying at every moment to connect my consciousness with the Supreme in the mood of a loving servant? Am I making that effort? Am I, am I making the connection? I was thinking of it today during my job, but like turning on water. You know, if, if you, have, you have the pipe and then there's a valve, and generally when the valve is, is perpendicular to the pipe. It means the water's turned off, it's blocking. And when you turn the valve parallel to the pipe, the water is flowing. So our business is simply to turn that valve of our consciousness and make it in sync, in harmony with what is all around us, <laughs> what is there, what is everywhere, which is Krishna. And, and then we will be the kind of people that we want to be we will be able to, to have a real a spiritual atmarati. So questions, comments? Yes, Marge. Of the mind in the mode of goodness. Yes. 
against the current. Let me see if I can remember all that and repeat it. So you want to talk about satisfaction and you said you remembered in the 17th chapter, this is text 16, where Krishna gives our satisfaction as one of the austerities in the mode of good. The first one, mana, mana prasada. That's an interesting word. I mean, here we have santosha. Tosha generally means to satisfy. Prasada. <coughs> that is very interesting. Mana prasada. Wow. So how does one get mana santosh? How does one get... You were saying... I'll just repeat what you were saying. Sorry, I got so overwhelmed that I forgot to repeat what you were saying. I'm so sorry. So you were saying that how is that an austerity to be satisfied... And, and Mara said that the materialistic people are never satisfied. And therefore, for them, it's, it's, it, being satisfied is really an austerity. It's really going against the flow. There's a, a Christian group that have a program to stop complaining. And they, they sell um, rubber bracelets. And what you're supposed to do is every time you complain, you move the bracelet from one hand to the other to become aware that you're complaining. And the goal, the goal is to go 21 days straight without complaining. Because when I mean, you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. So it's quite interesting because these people are talking about how their whole quality of life improved when they stopped complaining and became satisfied. So I was talking about this uh, with some devotees and saying, maybe we should, we should do something like this. Maybe we should take some vow you know, to be satisfied and not complain. And one of the devotees wrote back and said, well, I don't know if I want to do that. I enjoy complaining. <laughs> it, it, it lets off steam. It helps me work out solutions. And I was thinking about how illusion is always doing this. Illusion is always presenting that our bad qualities are really our friends. You know, kamashrita, kamkara ashrita. Maya is always saying, hey, this is your shelter. This is your shelter. Uh, but we can become sad in mana prasada. What would that mean? One's mind is full of mercy. One's mind is full of the Lord's prasada. How fascinating. And I see this as saying again, Suridam Sarvabhutanam, that Krishna is very kind. And Krishna is very, very kind. And if he's giving us a difficult situation, that it must be for our benefit. Of course, ultimately, we're the only ones who are creating all of our difficult situations because if we weren't conditioned souls, we wouldn't be in the material world in the first place. Ah. <laughs> Very nice. So probably Marge is saying that the dissatis our dissatisfaction is a symptom. Actually, that's very deep, and I just want to do this and then end here. It's very deep. When we have difficulties in our, in our life that cause us some sort of dissatisfaction, we can see that those are meant to, to push us to make some change 
It's just like bodily pain, unless you have some kind of a strange chronic disease where the pain is not related to anything functional, which happens more and more in the present day. But generally, the function of pain is to tell you that something's out of alignment. It's like a warning sign in a car that something needs to be fixed. So these feelings of dissatisfaction are basically warning signs. They're, they're indicative that there's something that we need to adjust. It's, it's that our connection, you know, it's, it's very much like the, the water. You know, if it's turned the wrong way, there's no water that comes out of the pipe. If your pipe under the sink, if underneath your sink, your, your valve is perpendicular to the water pipe, then no matter how much you turn on the faucet, no water will come out. Or the first time my, one of my grandsons went to India, he was staying with my daughter and her husband, and they forgot to tell him that in India you have to turn on the hot water heater. So he was taking cold showers for a week, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing. And then when he went back again on his own, I said, uh, Chakra, do you remember how to get hot water? He says, you just run it until the hot water. I says, no, that's not going to work in India. I said, you could be running it and running it and running it and running it, and it's never going to get hot. I said, you have to turn on the switch. So when we're, when we're trying to do something, you know, we're running and running and running that water, and it's not getting hot, and it's not coming out at all, then that, that is a symptom to us. That should, that's the indicator that we have to turn the valve. Yeah, we're in the wrong place. Shiva Prabhupada Kija, Shiva Bhagavatam Kija.